Hello, and welcome to this Halloween uh, special of Cringe Vangelical. Um, just a few notes before we start. The first one is my irrelevant question. I ask a question about Vincent Price. I meant to say, did he miss the mark as just a horror actor? Um, and not being a drag queen. Instead, I flipped it. So all I'm asking, should have Vincent Price been a drag queen? And the answer is always yes. But regardless of that, um, also just a warning, we bring up Hell Houses, not Hell House LLC, the eh, movie, but Hell Houses as in the Evangelical Haunted House. So just be wary of that um, and the very real world horrors they contain. Um, so just a couple warnings there. Also at the end, we kind of babble on about um, Robert Englund movies where he's not Freddy Krueger. So I mean, you can listen to that, but by around the like hour, hour in a minute mark that that's all it is so if you want to hear just like the halloween part the history of like southern halloween american south halloween feel free but without further ado uh please welcome to this episode of cringe evangelical All right. Um, and I'm here with G. Uh, pronouns are they, them. Uh, reminder, mine are she and they. I'm doing this now because I keep forgetting when I know the people. Um, I, I'm here with G. They are a fellow social worker, a queer advocate, um, dog parent, and elder emo. Is there any other way you'd like to introduce yourself? Uh, no, I think you pretty much covered <laughs> I think you pretty much covered it. Um, yes, dog parent to King Tut and Susie Q, my lights of my life. Yes. Um, and we're in the same room. So if there's like a pause, it's because we're doing microphoning. Uh, <laughs> um, and I don't have a full studio because I am I'm in an apartment. So, um, yeah, we're here to talk about just in time for it to not be October, um, the history of Halloween specifically. So G grew up in the American South, which has a really weird view of Halloween comparatively. Um, so we're going to talk about that. But of course, I always start with a stupid, irrelevant question that I made up. this question is actually not super irrelevant considering Halloween is the uh, discussion. But my question for you is, did Vincent Price uh, miss his mark as being a great drag queen and not just a horror actor? Because I think drag queen with that mustache. OK, you're, yeah. yes, absolutely. Listen, the mustache, his hand movements as well. If you've ever seen the old House of Wax from the 50s, if he would have been like a Marie Antoinette style drag queen, it would have slayed so hard. You know, and I was thinking, too, because I watched The Fly, which is the original. I mean, I've seen both, but the original. And I've also seen um, Pit in the Pendulum where he does. I mean, that outfit's very gay is very camp uh, i mean we know he's bisexual now um at the time we pretended we didn't but <laughs> i mean we just started like oh, fellow bisexuals <laughs> um but um the other one is oh it's not a very good movie it's like from the 60s the bat no yeah yeah, the bat. Bat, yeah that one also is like camp well edward scissorhands i think it's very fitting he ended his career with tim burton even though i'm not a huge tim burton fan but it makes sense um is there anything else you'd like to add about maybe is it cor coral brown not carol correct is his wife yes i mean they're they're all dead i don't 
their skeleton married. The correct pronunciation of her name is. She she's also bisexual. I feel like she'd been okay with it. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like she would have been into it. Um, no, very very big. In addition to to being a deep lover and having very complex relationship with Halloween, which I'll dive into a little bit. Very very big horror fan here. I'm a really big fan of you know just really classic like 50s and 60s horror films. Um, we were talking about our favorite top five favorites earlier today mine are mine are very interesting when i say the shining people get confused but i'm like it's a kubrick movie so it's it's so in depth well i thought that your top five was gonna be a lot bloodier i do love i do love a bloody gory but i but i like the like psychological thriller aspect of like you need a story yeah i need a story and i like psycho for the cinematic like imprint it left on horror not necessarily like it's one of the best of all time compared to what we have now but the like for the time it was quite a trailblazer and it was very salacious and gory for the time i just got psycho to read the Robert Block book. That's my one of the books I'm reading this Halloween. I made my Halloween reading list. You're going to like it. I'm very excited. I heard that um, because they picked a really hot actor to be Norman Bates, that he's not written to be super hot. Um, I mean, I've seen Bates Motel. I've seen both. I've actually seen both Psychos. I've seen the Vincent Vaughn one. <laughs> Don't judge. Um, but I also like Psycho. My first horror movie I ever saw as a child was The Birds. Terrifying. And I specifically remember because, you know, that Tracy Morgan show and I'm just going to like lean in. So the mic picks you up to the Tracy Morgan show where it was like, don't be afraid of the dark or it wasn't originally Tracy Morgan hosting it, but it was like they pranked people. Um, what are you afraid I know of? I what you're talking about. Is, was it was it are you afraid of the dark? Was that the one? I got to look like a 90s like. I, I was show. I remember like sneaking to watch because it was right. like Nick at night. Or something, and I remember like, yeah. looking around to watch that show. I so here's the thing: is I was born in '95. So if I was, uh, so I'll tell you. This will give you a time frame. Um, scare tactics. That's it. Yep. So what it was is this: I watched Scare Tactics, and it was the episode with Tracy Morgan where they're in the warehouse and everyone's bloody. And I thought, I mean, I was in kindergarten, so I thought this was like the scariest thing that ever happened. And then the birds came on, and the birds has a line, and I'll never forget it, where they say, "Oh, um, the birds came and like during a fire drill for the local kindergarten and like." terrorize the kids or something and i was like oh my god like because then i had like a fire drill later that week i was freaking out that was my first horror movie that i was scared of i had already seen creature from the black lagoon but i wasn't i wasn't scared yeah i definitely i was trying to think of what my first one that actually scared me was but i so i think it was edward scissorhands because i remember that i was like four and i just saw like the part where he comes out of the corner in the attic and I like freaked out which is really funny to me because now I like as an adult and as someone who does I do SFX makeup too and as someone who does SFX makeup that makeup job is so terrible and I'm like I love that I was afraid of this as a small child but it was just something about like the clacking of the scissor hands that was very disturbing to me as a small child that's like the first sort of like character I remember being afraid of 
So you know what I recently saw? So I'm technically halfway through Dario Argento's um, Cat of Nine Tales. So I technically that's the movie I've seen. I just haven't finished it. But I just watched Phenomena, mm. which is also Argento. And I didn't realize they based the Clock Tower series after that. Yeah, like a lot of stuff that you watch in like Western horror, you don't realize has roots in that very classic Italian horror from like the 60s and 70s. Mm. I mean, there's just... Argento cannot be overstated, like the impact that he had so on cool. on stylized gore specifically. And that's why, of course, you were like, I'm surprised they weren't bloodier because I do <laughs> I do love my blood and gore as an SFX artist. I just appreciate the work that it takes to like create realistic, cool looking gore. And um Argento, the way that he stylized it and the intent he used to like the message that he sent and like uh, Phenomenon's really, really good. I, I actually prefer Phenomenon to Suspiria. Suspiria is usually the one that are, everybody knows the Argento one, but I like Phenomenon a lot. I so I made Anthony watch it too this week. Um, Anthony's a friend of ours and he loves it, although he was distressed during the um, scene where the monkey is emotionally shattered and we decided uh, we maybe would have liked, well, I'm not going to say it. I just, I don't like animal harm, even though I like cannibal Holocaust, which I can't understand why that movie didn't bother me, but whatever. I don't know. But you have things prepared actually that aren't just about gory horror movies. And we would not want to leave without the Christian cringe of Southern Halloween. Oh, man. Listen, we could go on and on about the horror movie situation. I'd be happy to continue on that on that path. But yeah. So like um, as we were talking about, so I'm originally from Texas. I'm originally from East Texas, which is like very, very close on the border. A couple hours south of, of Dallas, like a little bit west of Shreveport. So very, very Southern, predominantly, if you're familiar with that area, it's all Southern Baptist is the very, you know, dominant strain of evangelical Christianity and that. And um, that was primarily on my dad's side. So when um, I was with my dad, you know, it was lots of the traditional sort of church aspect. And then um, thankfully, my my grandmother um, loved Halloween. She absolutely loved Halloween. And um, she was not from Texas originally. And she didn't really um, like or subscribe to a lot of the evangelical beliefs. So that was a nice, nice reprieve. And uh, but I was thinking about while I was like thinking about doing this podcast I was thinking about like what some of the sort of ideas I can remember like being brought up with in terms of like thinking about Halloween and there was a couple like focus on the family was a very very huge thing when I was growing up and like James Dobson the founder, if you are familiar. My mom had James James Dobson books. Not that like everyone who knows my mom knows she's not like done anything. She's a great mom, but she listened to Family Life Network. We've listened to Adventures in Odyssey. Absolutely. When my parents were still together, my mom was like into it for a little while and then came to her senses. Thank the sweet Lord. Um, But she was... um, But we definitely had those books and James Dobson was really like very big on this like movement to evangelize Halloween. And so there's a lot of like older like focus on the family like books and like 
articles that you can still find. And I just I have to read you a couple of quotes from these focus on the family articles that I found that I can remember like this rhetoric so vividly. Um, And it's uh, it's clear to say that the modern interpretation of Halloween hardly resembles anything associated with Christianity or the Bible. As mentioned earlier, Halloween contains direct roots to paganism and historical pagan practices. To most historians, it's unclear how long the ancient celebration remained strictly a pagan holiday. However, the early church held yearly celebrations and vigils for martyrs and deceased saints. And if you know it, it's like um, there was also a big movement evangelically to celebrate Reformation Day instead of Halloween. I I actually had a friend. um, So my college, I went to a Christian college, which G didn't have that thrill. Um, But it wasn't like this level. We had like a a secular college. Yeah, G learned about the sex and drugs at college. Anyway, so... um, (laughs) <laughs> we all learned how to be gay at college anyway um and we had Shanoween was one of the halloween parties so like halloween was fine mm-hmm. but some kids were very adamant that like our college didn't care enough about reformation day and one kid dressed up as martin luther for halloween just to play both sides which that was to be fun. like that person openly is like a jokester i mean they tried to name the coffee shop taco shack so that's their personality i hung out with trolls anyway all i'm saying is that's when it really hit the head when the kid dressed up as martin luther for halloween that um is like so much the core and the like antithesis of this like evangelicalizing of halloween and some of it is like martin luther wasn't even evangelical he was fucking catholic white and then he just became anglican exactly and some of it's like very um kind of benign kind of passive it's like oh we're gonna put a little like cute jesus with a little ghost on your like halloween candy and pass this out to kids it's very like benign and passive some of it is a little bit more like okay we're going to actively like take symbols and things that are associated specifically with halloween and turn them into like really aggressive christian symbols so there was this this article this is from 2022 guys like mm-hmm. if you think that like this was an older sort of like no idea <gasps> it's been happening it was in um the rehearsal with nathan fielder angela the woman he lives with in that how i don't even know how to describe the rehearsal so i'll just say the woman he lives with is telling him how to search on google certain keywords to get to the halloween is satanic part of the internet so it's definitely happening and i even last week i did D special um and I found because the D&D movie came out. So now it's a big deal because Michelle Rodriguez, that's the actress's name. She's not just boob actress now. She's big boobed Michelle Rodriguez, who apparently ruined it. Yeah, they wrote literally there's like a line. It was like uh, occultism, heavy, wokeism, heavy. It was like sexuality, marital kiss, large breasts, cleavage show. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's exactly it. So there was this 2022 article that was 10 easy ways to share the gospel on Halloween night. And it's from this blog called Savoring Home, which is like a very evangelical sort of blog. Don't oh, yeah, baby. read it unless you want to, you know, self-flagellate. Um, <laughs> 
And my favorite one of the 10 was wear a Bible costume. Why not dress up as a biblical figure or concept on Halloween? It's fun to see your neighbor's reactions when you open the door in costume. Plus, it'll give you a way to share about the gospel. Our favorites are Noah, Moses, Esther, Angel, Lamb. It just says lamb. And then it says camel. It just like that's a biblical figure, lamb and camel. So lamb, I'm going to say... Like lamb of God. Lamb of God. Camels because of the... Uh, the wise men? Yeah. And then it says shepherd, and then wait for it, peasant lady. Biblical figure of note to dress up as for Halloween, peasant lady. Mm. This reminds me. This, I mean, this is going to come in heavy with the D&D episode big time. Because, like, obviously D&D is wrapped into all this anti-Halloween stuff and they made so james dobson helped fund a christian D called dragon raider yeah. and you know how they describe the opening scene a plump woman is overeating in her giant decadent house that's it exactly dragon slave who is a slave to their flesh which not even gonna go down how problematic that is um yeah so i mean i'm not shocked it's all the same language however however i will say there was a couple of halloween costumes on here where i'm like this kind of slaps and i kind of actually want to do this one of them was the big fish from jonah so like a whale and i just kind of wanted to get this like really chic whale costume and then like make a little cutout in the middle and put a little Jonah in it. Um, there's also one of the 10 plagues of Egypt. And I was also like, do I have to pick? Can I just be the 10 plagues of Egypt for Halloween? That, that's kind of a great costume. Right. Yeah. I was like, that's actually kind of a good suggestion. So so thank you, um, Evangelical Blog, for the suggestion of being the 10 plagues of Egypt for Halloween. But there's like a couple of just really main themes that you notice and it's the same as it is for you know as i'm sure everybody listening who is very familiar with evangelical culture is that everything is rooted in this like fear of a certain type of person a certain type of belief system and a certain type of like spiritual practice and so obviously you know you got your usual like fear of witchcraft fear of practicing satanistic or or pagan tradition which we are not taught in an evangelical space that that in any way shape or form is like a legitimate spiritual practice or that it's historically rooted or that you know you should learn about and respect other cultures and other people's spiritual beliefs we're just taught hey that's satan that's evil um so there's that fear and then there's this idea that that fear and that um you know, can be used in order to redeem you. That Halloween's really bad, but we can use it to teach you, you know, we can use it to teach you a lesson. And obviously, just like everything else in evangelical culture, this is very much targeted at kids. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with Scaremare, which is the original like evangelical haunted house yes in lynchburg virginia yes so um i'm very familiar with that so i wasn't allowed to celebrate halloween as a kid even though my mom bought us costumes we dressed up we just didn't go trick-or-treating and she bought us all the candy we wanted so actually we did all the fun stuff with halloween without the work of trick-or-treating so i don't really know what she accomplished we couldn't dress up as scary stuff 
but I wanted to be a princess every year anyway. So I just got free dresses every year and ran around like a princess for a month. Anyway, that's, that's it. I love my mom because she just, she truly was winging it every day. But anyway, um, Scaremare, I do know because I am very familiar with the hell houses because I've watched videos of that specifically. Um, trigger warning before I say it, they, one of the highlights of these hell houses is they're like a trick haunted house um, that tries to get basically teenagers and younger people who are out like on their dates and stuff to go to this evangelical haunted house where they show uh, how the consequences of your actions will hurt you. And I had heard about this in a pro-choice blog where they were showing women bleeding to death from their abortions, which are actually more likely to bleed to death from having a baby. Anyway, uh, I mean, like literally going through the pregnancy is more dangerous, but um. Yeah, so I'm aware, and I know it's very Jerry Falwell pilled. So, oh yeah, so I um have these really vivid memories. So I was like, my grandma really loved Halloween, but the town that I grew up in and the like adjacent sort of places were at a time when Halloween was literally like not legal like they outlawed trick-or-treating in all of the yeah no she's laughing um they outlawed trick-or-treating part of it was because it was in the 90s and it was like a big thing after the whole candy man thing um like there's going to be razors in your candy and that sort of situation so part of it was because of that and not specifically related to evangelical beliefs but a lot of that sort of fear like was perpetuated by the church and was like you know there's this random person out to get your children um if you're unfamiliar with that that's a very interesting actual true crime cases of of familial homicide um that have nothing to do with a random person just out you know trying to scare children but of course the church was like yep that's it halloween's evil let's outlaw trick-or-treating um that's gonna save all these kids souls so they're sort of um their their sort of way of addressing that was oh well let's bring tell houses to our town um and so i think it was around that time because in my research when i was when i was like trying to remember exactly when it was about the time that hell houses got franchised and just so you know you can say um hell houses you can go on youtube and they'll show videos of them but be careful but they, they are on there if you want an idea yeah. yeah exactly and um so it was in 1972 that jerry falwell at his thomas rhodes baptist church which was in lynchburg virginia which is at the very very famous liberty university you can also google that if you're unfamiliar um i'm all the trigger warnings for that um but it was called uh it was called scare mare and it was inspired by this production of like scream in the dark which was in bakersfield california and it was conceived of the idea um like elena said of having all of these typical like sinful scenes and then creating them into a big like scary horror moment in order to save the soul so well so also one thing some of them did because they have been getting heat recently and saying because they were laying like little kids into this thing some of them you'll like go into the church basement and someone will play jesus and they'll be like oh we're gonna take you out we rescue you that kind of thing which 
in some respects, you might be like, oh, thank God they showed everyone it's kind of fake or there's a happy ending. I think that's more manipulative because you got everyone super tense and scared. So they will feel relief regardless if they believe it, just because it's not that horrifying thing anymore. Yeah, and from my understanding, the original, like, Falwell one was scary, but it wasn't, like, super graphic. No, it was just talking. It was boring. Exactly. And the the Keenan Roberts one was, was the actual first Hell House, and that was in the 90s. And I was like, that sort of model is the one that I remember from when I was a young child. And I can remember that the teenagers at our church did the hell house and i can remember them like getting ready for it and like getting really excited that it was like hell house season also of course like all of these people who later left the church and then they were like oh we were just theater gays um and we just really like to perform but that was when it like came out was in the like late 90s and that's when it got really really graphic and like elena said i won't go into like all of the detailed piece of it there is a documentary from 2002 called hell house which i know elena has seen not to be confused with the 2015 movie hell house which is an actual found footage movie i personally wasn't listen this is not a movie review just they're different <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But that was actually filmed in Dallas in a suburb called Cedar Hill. It was very, very close to my hometown, only about an hour away from my hometown. Um, And I was, God, how old was I in 2002 when that was like 11? I was like 11 in 2002 when that was filmed. And I can remember like I saw that movie when it came out like just shortly after because they had it like on a limited run and like theaters in Texas and it was so graphic and it was I remember this one specific scene so just trigger warning for for substance use before I talk about this but I remember this one specific scene of a person like made up that they had just overdosed on what I'm assuming is some sort of injectable drug and they had like needles hanging out of their body and it was usually, you know, heroin, because especially at that time, there was a big conflagration as well with um, HIV and AIDS that a lot of folks who had HIV and AIDS and a lot of folks who used substances were sinful and were very dangerous. And so there was a big, you know, there was always a section about like some sort of homosexuality and like how that was evil and they were always very graphic, graphic scenes. And I can remember the kids at like our church doing it. And I can remember them being like really excited about it. Um, there was this one scene, if you watch the movie Hell House, um, where the girl was like, I'm so excited. I, I get to play the girl who has an abortion. And I was like... <laughs> for a like 15 year old to say that like I work with 15 year old kids now I'm like for a 15 year old to say that and think that that's like acceptable and think that that's like part of how we celebrate the season and now as an adult like enjoying all the things that I enjoy like the fun aspects of spooky season I'm like you thought that was less harmful than like having a child go get some trick-or-treating in a cute like little costume like really you thought that that wasn't as harmful oh, that one a real haunted house. 
that one specifically, the the Hell House documentary was Assemblies of God. And I can remember Assemblies of God was another really big one. It wasn't there was a couple of them in Texas, but it was big in other parts of the South. And I can remember it was very traditional, like tent revival, like lots of even like doing a little snake work and things like that with a lot of the AOG churches so think speaking of tent revivals this is totally a side track but i did a camp special and i want to do another one for friday the 13th because obviously but i did my first one this summer and i found a cowboy camp or cowboy churches which is like the american federation of cowboy churches or fellowship whatever um and they have a camp where they i'm sorry they have a a men's retreat where they give ar-15 rifles away as the door prize they have a camp but then what happened is I, in finding this camp, I stumbled upon British Christian camp, which I didn't even know the, those people had it. I never heard of that. Right. You know how I found out they had it was I was listening to a podcast. I'm not going to dox the name because the person's just big enough. You can find them just small enough that they don't have any way to like protect themselves if they got doxxed or swatted or something. But um, a British person said they went to British, British, British camp, Christian camp growing up. And I just about fell on my seat because I was like, I don't know you guys like it it made across the ocean. Um, They I don't know what they think Americans are doing in Britain because their idea of camp was they just took all the kids, all the these little British kids to Wales or wherever they were doing it this year. They move around and they sleep in tents. There's no infrastructure, just tents. No, like cabins. Like camps in America, we have cabins. So I have to, like, I, I, every week I say, like, I'll buy a Tesco gift card for a British person who will tell me about this because this one was called Warrior Camp, which in and of itself, the name, and and guess their worship band was just kids brought their instruments and, like, pieced it together when they showed up, which is even better. But Warrior Camp was definitely just tents. And I looked at pictures because I was like, it's got to be nice in the tents. It was just like a circle. And then like these kids boots and or they called them wellies, whatever, in the middle. Um, And then I went to find more like British evangelical camp. I found a British evangelical music festival. Oh, boy which is not good and then i found that like one considered itself like quote unquote residential but for the most part this like tent thing like that's what they're doing is just praying in tent and praying in tents like that's all they're doing they're locking these i shouldn't say locking up zipping them up in their tents and praying it was wild anyway no now now you've got me on the, the camp moment um did you go to bible camp i can't remember my parents didn't believe in sleepaway camp because they think that uh sexual assault's real oh okay right so that is basically what i was going to say so my small trigger warning here for just sexuality is that uh <laughs> bible camp is and i am like a lesbian breeding ground i'm like you know how when they're like um you're gay so we're gonna send you to an all-girls catholic school yeah yeah so when bible camp the things that go on at bible camp are literally the seven deadly sins (laughs) they are it's it's absolutely insane Because it just reminded me of like the cabins that we had at Bible camp. And they also thought that like separating by gender was helpful, um, (laughs) which is really not that helpful. Like, I'm pretty sure that made it worse, actually. But it just it shot me viscerally back into a memory of Bible camp. Is it a camp experience if you don't catch a couple of women, you know, having having some finger finger fun? You know what I mean? 
I remember this one girl was came in and because we all showered like there was no like separation in the showers at Bible camp. New York York State has different. There was no separation. (laughs) It was like it was like a locker room. It was like an open shower. New York State has very specific child welfare laws that would not allow this to happen. If you were listening out of the country, yeah, each state, yeah, different states have different laws. And this is becoming a huge issue, obviously, with like anti-trans, anti-abortion, things like that. But I want to make it clear, two Americans could sit here and talk about camp and have a total different experience simply because of child welfare laws in New York State versus the South. Exactly. And so like there's no privacy. They don't believe in privacy in the South. It's like we're all just we're all just out here showering. And I remember this girl had hickeys on like every part of her body. And I had never seen a hickey before. So I thought she was bruised and I was like concerned for her safety. And I was like, what is that? It was basically Carrie. I was like, what is that? And she was like you don't know what a hickey is and i was like no i was like 16. she was like you don't know what a hickey is and i was like no and she was like oh and then she proceeded to explain to me like in graphic detail exactly how you got a hickey and then i was like i don't like this anymore i want to go home um (laughs) i just wanted to go home after that i'm sorry are you sure you're not also on the asexual spectrum because i'm i'm feeling a an energy here i you know what i have no idea but what i do know what i do know is that 16 year old me at bible camp was just like nope this is not it i want please leave i want to i want to leave this place she was also very straight she was she was like that was the hickeys were given to her by a fellow like football dude who was yeah we don't we don't stand get back to the horror then yes yeah Anyway, we've really delved on a piece of, but it, I had such a visceral Bible camp what memory. Would, where would horror movies be without camp? They they would be nowhere without camp. Um, so the other thing that I found out that I thought was so interesting, so Scare Mare is still going. It is. Yeah. Was according to their website. If you want to find their website, it's just Scare and then M A R E like nightmare. Um. Over 26,000 people have visited over the years. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. 26,000 people since 1972? That actually is not that many people. There's like millions of people in this country. And also, if you have visitors, they boast that they have visitors from all over the world come to scare mare. And um, this quote from, from this guy who helps run it now his name is josh coldren he's the director of of productions for scare mare now and he said we talk about how everyone faces death and how there's hope beyond our fears and hope beyond death and that hope is jesus christ he told that to the like catholic news agency um i found in an article but i think it's so interesting because they always again like over conflate themselves where it's like we're going to sell you this nicely packaged, you know, holiday and we're going to sell you all of this beautifully redeemed, you know, Halloween and the season and we'll make it right and we'll make up for all the sinful nature of all of these other people. Um, I also love how they're like 
the performances never disappoint. And I was like, what am I reading here? It says as many as 4,000 visitors a night witnessed gruesome death scenes, including a massacre at a movie theater and a camper who is mauled by a wild animal. And I was like, first off, I don't really see how that has anything to do with like evangelicalism. I think maybe now that they have like had to really get creative over the years and had to like come up with some new scenarios to like reel people in. And so they like market it as a regular like haunted house. And then they like bait and switch you where it's like, oh, Jesus. I'm still thinking about that animal thing. Yeah, it says. One of the scenarios is a massacre at a movie theater, which I'm also just like, yeah, that one just clicked for me. That is totally playing on um, Aurora, Colorado. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like a lot of these. And I think, you know, there's been a lot. There's been a few recent cases in the media in the last couple of years about like people out hiking or camping and they've been viciously brutally mauled by wild animals and so like it's playing on very real life scenarios and then they're like oh but if you just have this lovely evangelical experience it'll i guess save you from being mauled by a wild animal or shot in a movie theater right yeah exactly it's like god will protect you from from anything and you know regardless of what you believe like i have very complicated relationships with my own spirituality at this point that's what deconstruction is and that's why it takes so long and is so emotionally exhausting but regardless of what you believe there is a certain level of like having to step out of the evangelical frame of mind where you understand that like there is always a level of uncertainty to life and there's always just a level of like humanness and human nature that is very dark and very disturbing that we can't fix or save or you know do anything about that's just part of life and that's part of you know how we live and so regardless of like what your current beliefs are, where you are in your deconstruction journey or in your evangelical journey, you know, it's, it just gets really like hairy to me when someone immediately offers you this very like black and white sort of answer to things. And I feel like that's the, the big takeaway from this. And the big theme of this is that, you're saying, well, if you just, you know, see how evil all of this behavior is and this holiday is and everything else is, then we're going to save you from it. Um, And it, I, I saw the term like anesthetize evil. And I was like, oh, that's a really good way of like putting the whole evangelical spin of Halloween. Um, The other thing is like this, this vaguely threatening, like cutesiness that they have. So I have to show you this and I'll describe it um, for our, for our listeners. Um, But there's this little like tract that says, do you want a trick or a treat? And it's this very like cute little pumpkin with these like orange, um, this like bright orange design, clearly meant for small children. And then there's a couple of Bible verses, um, which I won't read about like a kind of a trick in terms of like sinful nature and a treat in terms of like eternal life. And 
it's very much that sort of thing where it's like packaged towards children. And that's something that always bothers me, too, about like, especially in the like advocacy work that I do, where it's like you're always accusing us of like not caring about the children or like trying to bring the children over to our side or like indoctrinating the children in some way. And I always am like, really, though, you're going to give this child a little a little tract. There's another one that says evil monsters vampires boo and then it says those are scary words but not the scariest the scariest words are i never knew you depart from me that's what jesus will say when those who don't trust him as their savior and forever friend um i love the term forever friend (laughs) it reminds me of when you go to the aspca and you adopt the saddest kitten there like Elena's kitten um, that was found under a car in an Aldi parking lot. Yeah, he's really gross. He is our forever friend and we love him. Um, I, I, I want a cat as my forever friend. I don't know that. Um, you have two dogs. That Jesus. So the, the, this whole discussion is reminding me. Do you know about the brand new genre of Christian horror movies? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. I'm up on the lore. I... I think it's so interesting that there has been this, like, obviously with, like, everything politically in the past five years, I mean, it like, resurgence of the ideas of very, like, traditional and a lot of, like, televangelist and traditional evangelical ideas from, like, Pat Robertson and, like, he's another big one is, like, children celebrating Halloween is satanic. Um there is like also a resurgence of like these weird like bad christian like rock bands and i listen i am saying there are some very good like christian artists like there's some like badass like christian heavy metal artists and stuff like that that are actually good musicians but like there's this resurgence of these weird things i even saw one like on roku there was like a faith-based movie section where it's those weird movies about the dog who goes to heaven and it's like very evangelical driven and i'm like i don't understand why we need this I, so to nick deramio on youtube which the ex-evangelical community has kind of taken him in even though he's not that's not what he planned to do but he does the pure flicks reviews which mm-hmm. is the christian netflix yeah. um and he has been reviewing the horror movies they did a saw one i didn't see that one there's a saw one it's I watched Curtis Connor might have reviewed that one, too. And that's a pretty big deal if Curtis gets a hold of you because he only does really bad movies. Um, I can't remember. I mean, Curtis did the 2025 um, COVID horror movie they did. Um, But there's a tornado one. Is it like Sharknado? Please tell me it's like Sharknado. I'm sorry. It's actually Christmas themed. It's a Christmas themed tornado movie. A tornado hits on Christmas Eve and they can't find like the nativity scene. Stop and then the, it. yeah. Stop it right now. Oh my God. And there's one where they're, no, I'm sorry. They're locked in a mall too, because that's how the Christmas comes up. Cause remember it's the South. I so. like the, is it like the mall robot one? Have you ever seen that? Slasher? Shopping mall? Yes. Yes. I love I've that. seen shopping mall. It's more like demons by Dario Argento. Okay. okay that makes- I mean, like that's a huge, like demons is a fabulous movie that everyone should watch yeah. this movie's terrible but they have that they have one two where they're on a bus it's like a i could be confusing this with just two b horror movies which are equally as bad 
Well, there's one that's like kind of a terror train idea, the Jamie Lee Curtis okay, movie. That's yeah. I mean, that's a niche one. Not everyone knows that one. But um, yeah, the, there's the Saw one for sure. They did like a found footage one. They did a paranormal. Yeah, they're like and there's some where like the goal is like because the kids like one, the kids were watching porn and that's why they were getting like scared. Right. Oh, that's a big one, too. James Dobson was a big uh, was a big one. I was watching this thing. I, I'm also a true crime buff, if you um, couldn't gather that from my general sort of tastes. Um, I do. I do like, you know, the psychological aspect of of understanding, you know, why people um do certain things and why certain behaviors come about and what happens in people's background. And I re- was watching a thing about Ted Bundy and there was a the issue of when James Dobson interviewed him and there was he said that pornography was the reason that he became a serial killer that like watching oh, pornography. Yeah. Do you remember this? I, I heard the Ted Bundy tapes. Yeah. And so and really what had happened was that James Dobson knew the governor at that time and was potentially going to get Ted Bundy a stay of execution or some sort of pardon for him, something in terms of a political sort of lessening of his sentence or even his his execution. And all Dobson wanted was to go in and get him to say that pornography was evil and that it had turned him into a serial killer. And then he literally came out and was like, well, let's hope God saves his soul and and left him there. And I was like, I'm not in any way, shape or form being like Ted Bundy is a sympathetic figure. What no. I'm saying is that James Dobson was not above ever like creating a martyr out of any sort of human being and was never above like putting someone out there and not giving a crap about them as an actual human oh yeah um now before i i go to the next part is that everything you had prepared so g had to reschedule this twice for valid reasons that are ultimately harmless but i'm deciding to punish them for it because if you don't come to service twice in a row regardless if you're violently ill or not physically in the area it doesn't matter so i told you i had a punishment section of this okay I, that's why i've been looking well i mean this I'm is these are just my notes i'm so afraid right now um so what i do we're still gonna be friends after this trust me you might actually enjoy this that's what makes me uncomfortable um but uh so what i do is well you kind of go over the channel so sometimes i do a challenge i challenge your faith if you don't quite do anything super egregious you know like basically i forgot to punish you so i'm going to challenge you um but, but um what i do is i read some of my shrek and paul blart fan fiction while you prepare the punishment and then when you present the punishment then i stop reading the paul blart and shrek fan fiction okay so your punishment is um and there's some lore here so you're actually getting double punished for each time you rescheduled one is you have to learn an unsettling truth about the world you probably didn't know before and number two is uh, the unsettling truth will bring you to the next one so in um 2018 so that's the year i graduated college um i have this friend daniel uh he's the garfield man um I guess I haven't talked to you, so he just shares Garfield stuff, like to the point where, like, no, I feel like you've talked. About yeah, before. yeah. Daniel's pretty funny. Anyway, Daniel has this habit of finding weird, like me and him are on the same wavelength of weird internet stuff. Oh Jesus! And he found 
from this article from Vanity Fair that says Bigfoot erotica, the congressional race in you. And we were like, we got to know everything about this. Dennis Riggleman, who is a um, Virginia congressman, he won the race, is a Bigfoot erotica writer. And his big book that was found when he was running was The Mating Habits of Bigfoot and Why Women Want Him. Oh, God. And what he did is people knew about this and still voted him in. Um, so Dennis Riggleman, just going to show, if you are someone who is uh, into uh, Bigfoot erotica, you can be you can be anything you want to be. The 2010s are a brave new world. Um, so what I did is you're going to look over. I found, so there's a huge Bigfoot erotica no, section of Amazon. No. You get to look at the choices. We have satisfying Sasquatch. They're only samples. They're one-page samples. Are you crying? I'm crying. <laughs> Sorry. I'm crying. You love Bigfoot. I do. I do love Bigfoot. <laughs> I wish it was Mothman erotica, though. I really do. But then I'm, it wouldn't be a I'm punishment. Kind of well, yeah. Trust me. Trust me. Mothman erotica. Like, you've seen the ass on that statue. There's well, Mothman yeah. erotica. I mean, Mothman ate my ass at a Denny's. So, <laughs> so the other options, customers who read this book, because people pay money to read this, Read this book also. People, buy, people purchase this with I thought it, money. I thought it was earned. just like Wattpad stuff. I didn't realize people were buying this. And Amazon is selling this? Yeah. Well, I mean, we already canceled Amazon a while back, but. But I still use my mom's Prime so I can write stupid reviews. She hates it. Um. So we have Bent Over by Bigfoot. Bigfoot Bang Bang Book One. <laughs> <laughs> broken in by bigfoot first time paranormal monster erotica some of these people need to get on ao3 because there's other terms for this anyway i'm gonna say the creativity I, level here is not doing it for me you should see the names alone with bigfoot cryptid romance we have the big bigfoot erotica bundle that's actually like a three book set you can buy three book set it's 4 dollars for three books, so get excited. I, mean, I need something to wipe my butt with. <laughs> hey, during COVID, this could be true toilet paper content. Exactly. So then we have Seduced by Bigfoot and Ravaged by the Yeti, The Secret Adventures of a Fertile Housewife. I do love the Yeti. I do love a good Yeti lore. So we will go with that one. You're going to, obviously, you know how to work at Amazon. You know how to look at, read a sample. You're going to look, and while you look, and once you decide, give me a thumbs up. I'm just going to read. Um, I'm not going to tell anyone what I read last time from the Shrek and Paul Blart fan fiction, but I'm just going to read it until you make your decision so there's no dead air. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing to note is that um, I have been on the journey of the Shrek and Paul Blart <laughs> fan fiction from its inception, from her telling me, like conceptualizing this. How long have we been friends? Like five years. Oh, my God. You feel so old. Isn't that wild? <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my God, we've been friends for like five years. Four years? Yeah. Four years. We've been friends for like four years. Not that that makes me um, any younger, but still. Uh but yes, I remember the conceptualization of this, <laughs> and I remember her sending me like snippets of this as she was working on it. And I am a stan. Um, sometimes I engage in adult substances as we all do in our, in our off hours. And I remember reading this one night when I was quite inebriated (laughs) and telling her that it was like Pulitzer Prize worthy or something. (laughs) You told me I could could publish it. (laughs) I stand by that comment. Publish it in a gay magazine. I stand by that comment. I just want to say sober. I stand by that comment. And I want you to know that I was inebriated when I wrote it. So, um, oh so God, what is this cover? 
<laughs> so chapter two, while G picks their favorite Bigfoot erotica, Shrek helps Mr. Darcy. One day while Shrek was walking in the park near a swamp, he ran into Mr. Darcy. He looked really sad and was selling gently used vapes to desperate middle schoolers. Mr. Darcy, aren't you supposed to do some sort of vague business in London or something? Asked Shrek. Vague business in London is really bad. And my two lovers, Elizabeth and Mr. Bingley, are in some English town near a beach because instead of therapy, we just sent them there to suck up the saltwater air. Shrek was very sad. He knew how hard things must be for Mr. Darcy, so he decided to buy all the vapes off of him to give away at the library to those in need. Mr. Darcy was so blessed that he cried and hugged Shrek, but that was too much affection for Shrek, so he politely moved him to the side. I hope this helps, said Shrek. By the way, I got a comment from someone asking me if they could sell gently used vapes under that part, so just a reminder. Anyway, um, it will. Now I can finally pay for us to have a harp so Elizabeth can play it while we sit around and stare at each other in like 14 hours. We would need electricity every day, said Mr. Darcy, excitement growing in his voice. That sounded really awful and boring to Shrek, but Shrek was not one to judge, so he was happy for Mr. Darcy and his highly progressive and sexually fluid relationships back in England. Right as Shrek was walking away, he got a text from Paul Blart on his phone. Hey there, you Shrek's beast, it said. Shrek got all red in the face and put his phone away quickly. Shrek was a private guy and he didn't like to look all sappy in public. Shrek texted back real quick. Meet me at my swamp at seven. I'll light the earwax candles for you. I'll be there. Make sure to leave room for me to park my Segway, replied Paul Blart. Shrek was very excited for this date and ran home to get ready. And with that, G has chosen their Bigfoot erotica. <laughs> Only one page. How much of this do I have to read? You only are allowed one page. Okay, do I have to read it out loud? You have to give the title, and you have to read it out loud. I'm so uncomfortable, like, reading this. You can substitute uncomfortable words. Okay, okay, I appreciate that. Well, I do that, too, because I I don't want to put it as explicit. This book does have a trigger warning. Um, What's the name of it? um, It is called The Morning Wood Tree. Um, the subtitle, excuse me, the subtitle is A Smutty Fantasy Romance. And I just didn't know if I was picking, I assumed that I was picking like the worst one. And that was the one that made me want to stop reading Sorry, just- and never get on the internet again. That's Henry's little Bigfoot he's sleeping on. He's in- oh my God, Henry's asleep on the little Sasquatch. You know what's Good boy. Its name is Little Sasha. Little Sasha. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to... I There are so, so many um, things about this that are wrong. Yeah. I'm going to preface with all of the... the um, I'm just going to preface with a couple of the content warnings. There is a content warning for um, nasophilia, which is... It has... This is the actual term, no sex. Um, perverted old grandpa and <laughs> Pinocchio kink. I don't know what Pinocchio no, kink know, is. I don't want to know. No. Do we have to explain that to me as part no. of the punishment? Please no. just let me be ignorant on that one. <laughs> All right. It's probably an old wives tale, but I read somewhere online that it's bad luck to get your period on your wedding day. Thank goodness for menstrual cups because no super maxi mom tampon question mark can hold back this flow. 
I raise my leg to the edge of the bathtub, fold the silicone in half. Oh, I'm not reading that. As I straighten, the cup settles into place and opens. Relief floods my system, and I exhale the longest breath. The last thing I need on my wedding day is to worry about blood leaking through my wedding gown. This is this is fine literature, my friends. This is this is Nobel Prize worthy literature, friends. A knock sounds on the bathroom door. Are you ready, Millie? It's Clara, Eric's grandmother. We have no context for who any of these characters are. Okay, it's Clara, Eric's grandmother, who's been standing in for my parents. My heart aches with the usual ping of loss. When I think about them, I push away the sadness and focus upon the happy day instead. I'll be out in a minute, Clara, I reply. There is no rush, she says. Eric is waiting, uh, is running a few minutes late. I take a deep breath and wash my hands, making sure there's no trace of blood on my French manicure. You know what? This is going to be a cake for them. When they're clean, I glance at my reflection and rearrange my ringlets. Ringlets, a terrible choice for your wedding day. Um, The makeup artist has done a fantastic job and contoured my face to sharpen my round features. Eric made sure I hired the most popular professional in Stockholm who's worked with the crown princess of Sweden. I guess they're in Sweden. The colors bring out the highlights of my golden brown ringlets and my eyes aquamarine flex. Again, just absolutely painting that picture for me, my friends. (laughs) My mom and dad would be so proud. I worked my way up through foster care into the heart of one of Scandinavia's most eligible bachelors. What is this? I don't understand. All right, we're almost there. I'm wearing a bespoke Valentino gown with Chantilly lace bodice that minimizes my huge... And cinches in my waist, unfortunately, or fortunately, actually, the skirt is detachable as it has a 10-foot train. Otherwise, going to the bathroom would be impossible. All right. That's the end of the first page. I'm, I'm, no, finished. I'm finished. That really brought me back to when me and Dawn found the Teletubbies um, erotica. Oh, I remember. Oh, God. Not the Teletubbies. <laughs> Poe and you. This is worse. This demonic tree on the... So, I mean, what makes me upset is this person has a period kink, which is a real thing. Boy. Yeah. I've read a lot of AO3. <laughs> like, I... Like, I'm not yucking anyone's yum by any means. I am not a kink shamer or a fat shamer of any means. However, what when it's written in such a way that it's clearly like to degrade like the physical body and like human experiences, that bothers me. Yeah. And also, it's like at least if you're going to do this, write it decently. <laughs> like don't don't be like I made my way up through foster care to win the heart of the crown prince of Scandinavia or something. My favorite. So there is I mean, there's erotica for every cryptid. Trust me, Daniel's found it. This kid, Daniel. If you ever want funny stuff on the internet, Daniel, he found a Catholic. He's Catholic, but he found a Catholic um, cult, like an American Catholic cult website. No, this is a wild story. I should have Daniel on to talk about this really happened. I was there. He bought a postcard of the Virgin Mary draped in the American flag as a joke. 
he woke up in the middle of the night to a huge bang, didn't know what it was, and then a thunderstorm immediately started. Then the next day, with no pain, nothing, he wakes up and his eyes are both like pink and red. He like he goes to the nurse. There's nothing to explain it. He's like, I think I was cursed by God. And you know what? The freaking postcard never even came in the mail. That's, that gives a whole new meaning to the like, God's going to smoke you. Yeah. He's also, no, Jeff Hansen. Jeff found that. Sorry. Well, I mean, I've been celebrating Halloween now for, well, at least 20 years or more. Um, and so I've never been smote, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, I mean. That's me knocking on wood. Is there anything Is there anything you'd like to close us out with for the hour? Because I mean, we're going to have more spooky episodes. No, not more spooky. Ep- yes. Um, let us. Is, is there a comment section or a way for people to interact with the, the podcast? Tell us your favorite horror movies, the best underrated horror movie. Um, and I, I put a very broad pin on horror as well. So, so feel free to get real creative with it. So let's finish it off and I'll start. I'll, I'll take the lead. Um, my favorite, so underrated horror, which is a horror that I have to constantly tell people, oh, this is a movie. Um, <laughs> a newer one that is, if you're into psychological kind of character studies, St. Maud, which is an A24 film. People keep recommending that to me and I gotta watch it. Fabulous. Um, Welsh actress um, and I believe a Welsh director. So God speaks Welsh in this movie, which is interesting to me i only think about that because i took linguistics and we had to watch a video of some old welshmen just like sadly talking about how the language is dying and how sad they were and like young kids won't just talk with them and anyway i don't know why we watched that video that was a wild time anyway and then i think if i you want something they're like i'm gonna be like proper scared screaming sort of like adrenaline rush underrated Ugh. I mean, I think an underrated, like, people don't know it. The problem is I hang out with people that know a lot of weird movies. I mean, a lot of the movies I thought were underrated are also because of streaming coming back in vogue. Um, I think maybe I'll leave it at St. Maud. I guess a better one is if there was a movie or a way to introduce Halloween to someone that doesn't like scary movies, I think your option is Over the Garden Wall. That's a good Halloween one that is family friendly. And then Halloween-y movies that are like, I want to watch a movie, but I in like a group or I'm not sure. Vincent Price movies are honestly like really fun Halloween vibes, especially House on a Haunted Hill. I love that movie. One time I was under the influence of adult substances and the opening scene where it's just black and the woman screaming was playing and I thought my TV was broken and I replayed it. Wow. and really long and i restarted the movie five different times i was crying i was inches from my tv i've seen that movie multiple times at this point i just i i i wasn't um it was a friday night and i'm living to party but yeah what's your favorite underrated movie um my favorite i don't i don't think it was underrated i think people like misunderstood it recently was barbarian i people like that really like barbarian i get it like i i saw a lot of reviews and people liked it but they didn't get like the nuance of it and it was just it's actually really just kind of sad like it's a really sad movie 
Justin Long in that movie though is absolutely brilliant and I well, mean he's playing himself because he's playing exactly himself <laughs> and it's a beautiful like cap to cuz you know if you're if you're a aficionado jeepers creepers um was he in drag me to hell too I haven't seen that I think he, so he is tough. he's the um man. Yeah. yeah several you know much older beginning of his career films and that I really love recently. I, you know me, I don't really love any sort of like horror movies produced past like, like The Shining was made in 1980. I think that was my most recent one on my, except for Hereditary. Well, yeah, Friday the 13th was made in 1980. Oh, it's 1980 as well. Yeah. Why did I think it was 82? No, it's 80. Um, 80, I know that because of the Candy Montgomery murder was Friday the 13th, 1980. I gotcha. Um, if you're my true crime fans out there. Um, but yeah, that was definitely, but I think, I think underrated wise, um, obviously I'm a big like Bella Lugosi stan. I'm a, I'm goth and I'm a very, you know, Dracula. Um, White Zombie is my favorite Bella Lugosi film. It's a really, really good film if you're unfamiliar with like the original sort of, it's got that really good like Universal Monsters vibe, but it wasn't a Universal production. Um, it's a really, really good movie. Um, just creepy and it's got that great like authentic 30s horror vibe so and then we will wrap this up and I will say goodbye and I'll thank G and they will say goodbye and it'll be awkward Um, but I just recently watched Eyes of Fire which if you have Shudder Shudder does have a lot of the funky um, I mean, I watched Necromantic on Shudder, which I I regret that one. <laughs> that was a dark. That was a gnarly movie. Holy poop. Um, but Eyes of Fire was interesting. Um, the man who directed it actually passed away this year. Um, but that was a kind of an underrated one. That it's not the scariest, but the story intrigued me. And then the other one that I recently watched that was kind of underrated because Shudder has underrated ones. Um. And now it's leaving my brain and it's going to bother me. Oh, I watched a movie with Robert Englund not playing Freddy. And that was kind of wild. What what movie was that? Was it the the remake one with like James Earl Haley? Haley? This is a porn nightmare. But I can't remember what. Oh, you mean it was it was a Robert Englund movie? Yeah. Was it um, there was. Oh, my God. There was that weird one that he did. What was that called? It was like 1970. It was yes, before. and it was like a phantom something. The fan phantom. But I kind of like he was it. in it. He was also in an iteration of Phantom of the Opera. If you've not he seen was. that, and it was weird, but the, this was a different one. This so what the maybe this will I'm gonna have to cut out so much of this. So basically, what the movie is is Robert Englund. Is, he's just like a side character, but I was interested because he is a classically trained actor that played Freddy Krueger, like his whole career, kind of how I feel about um, the man who plays Pinhead, whose name flew out of my mind. But it was a movie. It was kind of like uh, the Donald Sutherland uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of vibe in terms of the ending and the overall idea. Um and like everybody, it was like a, a unhinged coroner and he was using the dead bodies to make like a rural zombie. Like, I don't remember the name. 
Yeah, but it's older than Nightmare. I, I'm just going on his Wikipedia because once I see it, I'll be like, oh, that was it. The name of it is coming up. But yeah, he was in it. Anyway, it was interesting. And I'm now wondering if it was a, like a made-for-TV movie that I found because it was on Peacock. Maybe. It was definitely on Peacock now that I'm... But yeah, he did the 1989 Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Um, After Nightmare on Elm Street 5, which... Can you believe the first Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984 and they were already at number 5 by <laughs> 1989. That was the thing about that time is I was relooking at all the like Friday the 13th and they came out in like 80, 81, 82, like right in succession. And they used to make them every year because there was no like watching them. I think at that point you could like watch them on TV on reruns like after a very long time. But there was no, like, once it was out of the theater, it was out of the theater. There was no, like, getting them on VHS at that time. No, it's very true. No, my mom talks about that because my aunt went to see Grease, like, once a week because of that entire situation. Um, We will find the name of that movie. But is there any last words you have, G? No, thank you for having me. Also, please take nothing I said too seriously. Um, You know, because... We're, we're crazy ex-evangelicals, and that's the way that it works. And I absolutely love Halloween. I am so excited that we are going into spooky season, and I'm happy to return to discuss all things spooky. Dead and buried, yes. I wondered if that was the one you were talking about, but I, I thought that was in 81. No. Dead and buried is the name of that film, by the way, with Robert England. So Dead and Buried, if you want to watch something kind of mediocre and that opens with a humongous uh, nudity scene, if that's something you are into. But I am warning you so you don't watch it with your parents. Anyway, that is Cringe Evangelical. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. 